What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about loyalty, the attribute of loyalty. That probably isn't anything um, you, you've considered a whole lot because we typically call it something else. Before I get into that, I want to invite you to support digitalbiblestudy.org. You can do that through the, through the website. Um, also, if you want to support me as a podcaster, www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. I'll also have a PayPal link. If you're listening to this on my podcast channels, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, it goes to directly to me. It is not part of the support that I receive as a gospel preacher. Uh, that being said, I am so thankful to Jonathan and Eric to have me on Digital Bible Study and allow me to do an episode per week for cogitations. I'm so thankful to, for y'all for, for staying, uh, I was going to say the extra hour, but I think a lot of times we stay longer than the hour. And for the last two or three weeks, I've started each program by saying, well, I think this one will be a short one this evening. And we won't be here the full hour, and I typically go right up to, if not a little bit over the hour. So I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent. Anyway, uh, but but it is just is what it is. Um, all right, good to see everybody. Um, uh oh, I rode past everybody. Good to see you, um, Jonathan Jenkins, Gita Sultry. That's it. Uh, listen, I am obsessed. I am a man obsessed with good quality sound, and it is so bad that I don't get to hear my sound, my, my voice, my podcast through y'all's ears. I have been told it sounds very, very good. To me, it sounds like absolute hot garbage, like it's terrible. Nobody has worse sound than me. I'm the bottom of, of the barrel. I need to do better. But yet, I still look at things that I produced five years ago, and I'm like, wow, I've come a long way, baby. But I have a problem. I, I'm obsessive, and I don't know. Maybe uh, may, maybe I'm just fishing for a compliment. Who knows? But uh, I do enjoy it. It is very fun. I like the technical side of audio production. Um I would even consider producing and editing podcasts and stuff like that. But of course, I mean, that's pretty expensive. And most folks that I know, they have a, a religious theme podcast that they don't have a budget. They can't hire an editor. So uh, anyway, that's, that's the, thus is my lot in life. All right. Anyway, Connie Barden and Katie Smith, Elaine McClung, Vicki McClain, Jenny Blackwell from New York and Mercy. Gita, yeah, Tony Brewer of the Sultry Voice, as JJ described. That'd be Jonathan Jenkins. Terry Purdy always has multiple people watching with them. That's awesome. Uh, Donna Patrick, Sue Ross, Gwen Cooper, Diana Harden, good to see you. Melissa Price, hello. And Christine Woodall's here as always. Henry McClure, good to see you. And um, Leslie, well, I'm seeing you. I'm assuming Leslie's with you. Hope she's with you. Hope y'all are doing well. 
Jonathan Exum says, it sounds like listening to Rush Limbaugh, but it's sound gospel teaching. That's my two cents. Well, that's awesome, Jonathan. Thank you. And Gita says, you got it. A very smooth voice. Well, that's awesome. All right. Yes, I am a perfectionist. And incidentally, Connie, if I were a perfectionist in other areas of my life, like I am with this, I'd live or lead a much higher quality life. I don't know. Maybe, again, I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware that there's something wrong with me. Other than that, anyway, let, let's get into the podcast. Um, oh, man, Rogersville, Missouri, keeping one eye on you and one eye on the weather here. Actually, I bled those two comments together. I don't think Deborah's from Rogersville. Uh, Rhonda's from Rogersville, and then Deborah gave a wave, keeping one eye on you and one eye on the weather. Awesome, and thank you for that, Rhonda. I always enjoy listening to you. Now, let's talk about loyalty. You would know this as faithfulness. It is the defining attribute the defining virtue of a Christian, and it's never actually called a virtue in Scripture, but it is inferred that it is a virtue. Why? Because God is loyal, faithful. You can depend on Him. He's not going to leave you in the lurch. In fact, um, I'm going to put my marker here at Romans, but let's go to Hebrews uh, chapter 13, and every one of y'all know where I'm going. Listen, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by those so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourself are in the body also. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He himself said, I will be loyal to you. Why, or, or, or for, because of that, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. You know, I'm not going to exegete all that, those verses. But every one of them has to do with thinking of others outside of self, not simply wanting to know what you can get out of your relationship with them, but what you can put into it. Romans, well, you know what? This is a Bible podcast, so let's make sure we put the Bible in it. Let's go to Romans. And let's look at chapter 5. I think it's verse 8. Ain't that going to be bad if I can't remember? Yeah, right here. Listen to it. Romans 5, verse 8, New King James. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, what that means is whenever we could offer nothing to God. In fact, it's more than that. It's not that, because we still can't offer anything to God. Obviously, we can offer him worship and love and adoration, but he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need that. Now, it's, 
while we were still sinners. It's while we were actively antagonistic to God. He was loyal to his creation. He was faithful to his creation. Why? He sent his son for us. He sacrificed. His son had to sacrifice. And quite frankly, the Holy Spirit sacrificed. You know, the Holy Spirit sacrificed his autonomy, his personhood almost, because the Holy Spirit can speak nothing of himself. The Holy Spirit can only speak whatsoever Jesus wants him to speak. That's the great sacrifice of the Holy Spirit. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all are bound by this attribute of loyalty, faithfulness. That means that the barrier to entry for being a Christian is loyalty, faithfulness. What can you do for others? Not simply wanting to know what others can do for you. Even the heathen understand this. And, and I just used this vernacular, which probably conjured up the image of a very young, dashing president of the United States who said, ask not what your country can do for you, but rather ask what can you do for your country. That's loyalty. I've, I've done on the Cogitations podcast two episodes about gratitude. Without gratitude, you cannot be loyal. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Listen to this. I'm going to start reading it. And for those of you that listen to the podcast all the time, all this stuff is old hat. You, you've heard me talk about this a lot. But anyway, it bears repeating. So Paul basically said, I'm coming to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome. Why? Because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Darkened, profession of themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to cleanliness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. Go on to say in verse, in verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Even their women changed the natural use for what is against nature, so on and so forth. Where did that start? They weren't thankful. They, they, were, they were ingrates, so they could not think outside of themselves and their own vile 
lust kicked in and they were willing to do anything that they could get away with for self-preservation and self-exaltation. This goes back to 1 John chapter 2. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the, and the, and the pride of life, is not of God. There's nothing but death in that. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This idea of the pride of life is setting oneself up on the throne of their own particular universe. It is extreme disloyalty because you are not grateful for the one who brought you. Think about that, think about that old adage. Uh, someone, might, someone might say, hey, th- you, know, you, you better dance with the one that brought you. Like if, like if you're talking to your 25-year-old son about a decision of whether or not he wants to leave this company he's been with since he turned 18. Look, man, I know there's a lot of shinies over there in that other company, but you're making a good living. You've got a good, you've got a good retirement package. You've got good benefits. And, it, and, and there's something to be said about dancing with the one that brought you to the dance. And we understand what this means. If you... But back back before dances devolved into what they are today, and you could actually take a girl to a dance, you was courting, and you could you could dance a little with her, and, and and it wasn't terrible. You wouldn't like it if you brought her to the dance and she danced with all the other boys that didn't bring her. Well, that's disloyal. Katie Smith says, I think of the Christian graces in Second Peter one five through seven, in that all of those graces are added to our faith. We have to have faith or show faithfulness to God in order to display the graces. Faithfulness, loyalty is the foundation for us just as, as it is for God. Yes, we, th- that's a very good point, Katie. I'm so glad you brought that up. Faithfulness or loyalty is the defining characteristic of God, just like it's the defining characteristic of a Christian. If you have a Christian who is unfaithful, he's not really a Christian. If you have God that is not faithful, he's not really God. And incidentally, I would say that that potentially would be an ontological discussion or argument for the existence of God. We worship and serve a supreme being of supreme faithfulness, loyalty. We can conceive of a being no higher than that. If we could, then that would be God. For instance, Zeus. Zeus was not faithful nor loyal. He squabbled. He was petty. He killed his children. He killed his father, Kronos. Oh, well, excuse me, excuse me. He imprisoned his father, Kronos. He cheated and had all kinds of illegitimate children, uh, cheated on his wife. So if you can think of an entity that's more faithful than that, then then, then that's a better candidate for God than Zeus. That, that's how the ontological, or that's how ontology works. Ontology is the, is the uh, study of existence or being, as it were. Anyway, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. I, I wrote an article not too long ago. Actually, I, I wrote an article quite a, quite a while ago. That's it. We should give diligence and add all of them to our faith. That's right, Scott. Faith is the entry. 
In fact, let's just go. That's it's such a good. I cannot believe this is why this is why we live stream. Uh, I cannot believe I didn't go to the I didn't go to the uh, Christian virtues, the graces. Second uh, Peter. Chapter one. All right. Verse five, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. It is a given that you have faith. Uh, Sue Ross. Well, in folklore, Zeus really didn't have existence, did he? No, but but that's the thing. We're whenever you talk about ontological arguments, you're you're talking about the the metaphysical. And when it comes to uh, logic, what you're trying to do is you're trying to you're trying to see if is it is it just as reasonable to believe in Zeus as it is to believe in Jehovah God. And one of the ontological arguments for the existence of God, uh, the supreme being, is if you can conceive of a being more powerful than God, then that would be God. Then if you, in other words, Jehovah God is the most powerful entity and being of which we can conceive in all conceivable uh, dimensions or universes, then that's God. And it's, 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 it's difficult. It's a, it's a, it's a brain bender for sure. And I don't want to, I don't want to get off in the weeds about that, but you're right. In mythology, no, Zeus did not really exist, but the people that you would discuss this and have this kind of highbrow conversation with, that uh, they believe it's just as valid to to believe in Zeus as it is to believe in Jehovah God. So you you have these conversations with them anyway. Now, um, that's it. We see in Exodus the account, accounts of all the examples of God doing exactly what He said He would do. All right, let let's read. I'm going to read this from Second uh, Peter chapter one verse one. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and the Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue, by which you have, uh, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. What is the divine nature, y'all? Since I've been kind of cogitating on this, I think the divine nature is faithfulness. We can be as God, as close to God as we can be on this earth. We can take on the attributes of God. What is the attribute of God that, that defines him? Faithfulness. And that's why it says, uh, giving all diligence add to your faith. Giving all diligence. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. The King James says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I believe the American Standard 1901 says, Giving all diligence. 
It's the same word. To what should we give diligence? Well, we we need instruction from God, do we not? Well, of course we do. Because if we don't have instruction from God, if we don't have revelation from God, then we can't be like God. If I don't I don't recommend you doing this, folks. But if you wanted to be like me and sound like me and act like me, what do you got to do? You got to listen to me. <laughs> you got to you got to receive, you got to get to know me. So you can take on Tony's nature by giving diligence to the things Tony says and does. Now, I don't recommend you do that. I mean, I like my life pretty well, but you know, maybe you wouldn't like it all that well. The beautiful thing is, if you want to be partakers of the nature of God, what do you do? You give diligence to the only way you can interact with God that's through his word. That's why 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 is in the Bible. Now, so giving all diligence add to your faith, virtue, to your virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Love one another, for love is of God. We sing that song quite a bit. He who does not love does not know God, because God is love. I put forth to you, being faithful, being loyal, is, by definition, loving. And that's how we are made partakers of the divine nature. If we give diligence, we add to our faith all of these virtues, and we transcend to the point where we can be loving creatures. And then you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and you see what all that entails. It means we live for something higher than ourselves. I quote this all the time. People are going to get tired of hearing it, but it just works. Every single time I go to the Bible and I talk about the Bible, I always come back to this passage. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live faithfully, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Live a life of faithfulness. Live a life of character. Don't live a life of reprobation. Don't be a reprobate. Do not be an unprincipled person, a person who doesn't have any guidance. You'll be like a ship that doesn't have any load stones. In the, in the bottom of that ship, that ship is filled with a bunch of stones, really, really heavy stones. And that's counterintuitive because you're like, the ship needs to be light so it can float. Yeah, it does need to be light so it can float. But if it's too light, it will be uncontrollable and the water will break over the edge and fill it up and it'll sink. So you need these ballast, these, these lodestones, and you need to balance this ship so it'll stay aright. Those are your principles. Those are your virtues. You're, you're adding to your faith the Christian virtues, the graces. 
all of these things that are written in Second Peter. How do we do that? Where we we're made partakers of the divine nature through assimilating God's revealed word. It's that simple. And we will adopt loyalty, faithfulness, and that's how we'll be defined. Good stuff. I'm so glad you made that comment, Katie. Scott Wall as well. Now then, let me get to this. I wrote an article many years back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the highlights of it. I've used this article before several times. Uh, in fact, probably several times in the last few months, I found myself going to this article. Uh, the article is entitled, Why Did You Leave? So we're going to hit the top parts of this, and we're going to talk about the, the Christian, uh, uh, the, the virtue, the, 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 the nature, I should say, of loyalty. Are you part of a congregation that used to be thriving? Are you part of a congregation that, you, that used to be much larger in number than it is now? Well, you're not alone. Pandemic to the day is the problem of congregations of God's people shrinking. There's some reasons for this shrinking, the responsibility of which rests squarely upon the shoulders of the congregations themselves. However, there are some reasons for shrinkage over which the congregations have no control nor responsibility. We're going to talk about why people leave a sound congregation for another sound congregation. Of the many excuses that I've heard and could be said for leaving a sound congregation for another, four stand out. So we're going to examine these four. Number one, the congregation has no youth. Well, I've never understood this excuse. Think about it. If you were to leave because a particular demographic is not present or represented in a congregation, then eventually we would be segregated into congregations based on age, sex, race, and class. Just think about that. There's no way we, can, we could do that. If your age, gender, or race is not represented in the congregation where you attend, then evangelize more. I understand the excuses concerning youth. However, it also applies to all classifications of people. This excuse is born out of a desire to cater to one demographic, respecting those persons above others. If you want the congregation where you worship to have a youth group, then don't take your children from them. How can they have a youth group if everyone with youth leaves and goes somewhere else? If all who left congregations for this reason would come back, to the congregations they left, then the congregations they left would have very large youth groups. Now, what's this have to do with our podcast? It's consumer Christianity. It's not faith-based Christianity. It's what can the church do for me? When really and truly you need to be thinking, what can I do for the church? It's trite. It's cliche. I understand. But ask not what your congregation can do for you, but rather ask, what can I do for the congregation? So, number next, the congregation isn't active enough. Oh, this is a very foolish, foolish, foolish excuse to leave one congregation and go to another. And again, it's born out of selfishness. 
If the congregation where you attend isn't active enough, activate yourself. Be busy doing the Lord's work. Just read Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Follow the instructions of Paul. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 4.12. This verse don't mean figure out what being saved means to you. It means work till you die. So that means if you consider the church a cruise ship instead of a battleship, if you look at the church as a consumer item instead of a culture and a community that you need to put into in order to grow, then you're going to be tossed to and fro. You're going to list lazily along to and fro, and you're going to be swallowed up by the sea of despair because really and truly there's no place you're going to go that's going to be active enough for you. Remember, if everyone who left congregations because the congregations were not active enough would just go back and be active, then the problem would be solved. There would be a multitude of activity in each congregation. The congregation has no elders. That's number three. Again, very easy excuse to rebut. If you're in a congregation with no elders and you're a man, make being an elder your top priority. If you are a woman, make being an elder's wife a top priority. If you are not able to do either, make sure you're rearing children who are being taught that being elders or elders' wives is of paramount importance. If everyone who was a member of a congregation didn't have, that didn't have elders would make it their priority to grow an eldership, then that congregation would have elders and then the problem would be solved. What about this one? This is the last one, and then I'm going to get right back to the comments and everything. The congregation isn't friendly enough. Yeah, okay, it's, it's, I can see that. Well, of all the excuses to leave a congregation to go to another, this would be the most foolish and the most childish. Listen, if you perceive a group of people as unfriendly, be friendly to them. Proverbs 18.24, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, it has been said, and I Googled this, so that makes me an expert. It has been said, I couldn't say that with a straight face. It has been said that the time it takes to form meaningful relationships with someone or a group of someones is somewhere between seven days and seven years. I think they're proving a point with that, anyway, or illustrating a point. Anyway, that being said, it takes work, and it's a slow process. However, it is worth it, and it is something we must do. If everyone who left a quote-unquote unfriendly congregation for another would just come back and be friendly, then they would find themselves members of a very friendly congregation. Do you see the common thread here? It's faithfulness. You have a local congregation where you are, so you need to be faithful to them. You need to work your problems out. You don't need to say, well, what can you do for me or what have you done for me lately? You need to be saying, how can I put into this even though I'm not getting anything out of it right now. You see, that, that's the nature of God. 
in that while we were yet sinners, God sent His Son to die for us. In that while I was a part of a congregation that was rather dead and inactive and didn't have any youth, me and my wife and my children, I guess I should say my wife and children and I, rolled up our sleeve, we put our nose to the grindstone, I instilled the value of being an elder or an elder's wife into my children. We were friendly and, and, and spent the time to grow relationships with everybody there. We got active and we evangelized and, and, and recruited people, converted people, and the congregation grew. It had a youth group. It eventually had elders. And it was very friendly and very active. Why? Because I'm faithful to the congregation where I attend. You see, I'm not a fair-weather member. I'm not a fair-weather Christian. I'm going to be there and I'm going to weather the storms. I'm going to be there in the sunshine. There's a song, Please don't wait until dark. Don't wait for a rainy day just to pray. Find time to pray while the sun's in your life and your skies are blue. Wonderful little song. Sing it at camp, and then you sing it in rows? That don't sound right. Anyway, one group starts singing, and then about a measure later, another group starts singing. Anyway, I don't know what that's called. My point is this. The point of the podcast, the point of this illustration is not about the church or growing the church or anything like that. It's about Christians being loyal and you've got to be thankful. You've got to have gratitude. You have to understand what God has done for you. And you have to understand that the seed you sow might not be paid, might not pay the dividends until eternity. You have to have a long view of the rewards you do for the work you put in when you're loyal. But that's an attribute of God. And is there anybody that would argue with me and say, we don't need to be more like God? The conclusion of this article is, can we see how that every response to the excuse offered by people who have left is to come back and be the solution to the problem that made them leave in the first place? I implore you, if you have left a congregation for these reasons or such like, go back to the congregation you left and put forth the work sowing to the Spirit and help the congregation that you left. Anyway, that's it, Connie. Rounds. Yeah, singing rounds. Christine Woodall says, I left a congregation after 20 years. Yes, now listen. I'm not saying that there's never a reason to leave a sound congregation for another. Okay, so please, if, if you have left a sound congregation for another and you had your good reasons, then please understand I'm, I'm not talking about you. I promise. I'm, I, I'm, l- let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I haven't said this in a while, so I'm going to say it again. This digital Bible study group is the cream of the crop. When I have these cogitations and I think about these things and these problems that are facing that, that the Lord's people are facing, most of the problems that the Lord's people are facing 
are problems that are born out of a lack of study and devotion. You people that are associated with the Digital Bible Study family do not have that problem. You are the cream of the crop. You get more Bible than anybody I know. And most of the times when I, t- I always think about that, I just wonder, are they going to relate to this? Because most of the time, if I talk about something like this, you know, loyalty, faithfulness, uh, being faithful to the congregation where you are and not church hopping, I just don't think that y'all, I, I just don't think anybody of the 48, 50-something people listening to this, I don't think, I don't think you have any, I just don't think you have that problem. I don't think anybody here would have, would have that problem. But maybe something I say, even though you don't have that problem, maybe you're dealing with an, a problem adjacent to that. And something I say will help you through it. But even if not, it's still a hope. I hope, I pray, it pours cement to your foundation. Um, that's it. That's the Deborah O'Neill. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, that's the reason our congregation had dwindled over the last 10 years. They all wanted something else. It reminds me of that meme where in one, it's set up like a comic strip. In one, in one frame, the preacher is saying, okay, who wants change? Who, uh, no, who wants things to change? And everybody raises their hands. And then the next frame, the preacher says, all right, now who wants to change? Nobody raised their hands. We have to be selfless. We have to be grateful. If we're not loyal, then we can't. If we're not loyal, God's going to just give us up to a reprobate mind. What do you do when you're trying to get your congregation interested in getting involved in your area and it just ends in talk? Sometimes, and and this this is, Connie, if, if you're talking about yourself, you have a, a, a uniquely difficult situation because you're a woman. And, and, and it sh- again, should it be that way? No. But remember, we don't deal with should and should nots. We deal with is and is nots. And it is the case, if you're a woman, it's, and, and, and if, if you're a woman in a congregation, like if, you're, if your husband's not a Christian, and you're a woman in a congregation, and that congregation is needing just a little bit of a, of, a, of a gentle nudge, it is nigh to impossible for you to be that, that nudge. However, what you can do is you can be like the woman uh, that, that Peter writes about who's married to the unbelieving husband. You just handle your business, and you be the best possible representation for what that congregation needs to be, and your very existence hopefully will indict somebody and cause them to change. But remember, if it doesn't, you're not going to be held responsible for that. Ability, hold on a second. Opportunity plus ability equals responsibility. Uh, That's from 1 John chapter 3. If, any, if anybody's blessed with this world's good and sees his brother in need and opens up not his bowels of compassion unto him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Well, 
So, Connie, you, you have an opportunity, but you are lacking in ability. So, therefore, your level of responsibility is probably in this situation zero. Now, that might not be very comforting to you because if you're like me, you want to go, go, go. Like, hey, man, what's, what's the deal? I remember the old, um, I remember the, there was a commercial, uh, what if firemen took over Congress and they, the firemen descended on the, house, the Congress wherever they were meeting and, all right, we have this, we have this, we have this. And like in about 20 minutes, they were done with all of the deal that Congress had to do. And I think perhaps you and I have that mentality. Like, oh, we need to be more active. All right, let's be more active. Here's steps one, two, and three. We had a wonderful meeting Saturday night with the congregation at Riverview, and it was a follow-up to a meeting that we had last month. Last month's meeting was, how can we look internally and change ourselves and bolster ourselves to, to make sure that we're the best that we should be? And then last Saturday's meeting was, now, once we've talked about how to take care of our own house, how do we reach out to the community? And man, we got some good stuff. Um, but we're going to do it. And that's the beauty of being in the congregation up here. They're ready to go. And we're going to look at putting out some flyers. We're going to look at uh, providing some placemats for some restaurants. Uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're looking at a couple of different service projects. Um, I'm going to, I've got a, I've got a couple of contacts to some radio stations, um, that maybe I can get on the radio. So yeah, there's, you know, who knows? Uh, and when I say get on the radio, I don't mean that we're going to pay a thousand dollars a month for me to have a 10 minute segment on the radio each week. I'm talking about, I want to go talk to these people and say, Hey, I have the ability to do a, a 10 or 15 or even 30 minute section segment for your radio station, and I can send you a file that's already broadcast ready. All you got to do is plug it into your show map, and they might even pay me. Who knows? So y'all pray for that. In fact, this is, this is an aside. Pray for me to find some work doing voiceover stuff. My little YouTube channel is getting noticed, and uh, that what I want to do is use that YouTube channel where I narrate stories uh, to um, to get some voiceover work where I can do some narration, uh, maybe some commercials and stuff like that. Anyway, but all of that because Connie asked me, hold on, where's it at? Where's it at? Yeah, what do you do when you're trying to get your congregation interested in getting involved in your area and it just ends in talk? And, and I'm sad to say, Connie, there's probably not much you can do. Just you do you and, and, and just go to sleep at night in peace, knowing that you'll be able to stand before God Almighty and say, I did what I could. And that's, that's what you're required to do. Uh, Sue Ross says, I like that expression, adding, expression, adding cement to our foundation. Awesome. Well, thank you. And, uh, there's another comment. Yeah, here's what I wanted. Um, Christine Woodall, uh, so remember when I said, I don't want to indict anybody who's left a congregation for another over these, these reasons. There, there are reasons to leave one. And let me read this. 
it, uh, I was very active in the congregation, but they decided not to continue to follow the scriptures. Elderly preacher died, and a younger generation wanted it their way and not God's way. They were not sound. So, yeah, uh, Christine, you'd have to leave in that situation. There wouldn't be much you could do, I don't think. Loyalty to Christ and those who want to obey him. Absolutely. And pray for change. Absolutely. Uh, Gita says, that's a frustration for women. We see what needs to be done, but limited in what we can do. Yes. I guarantee it. And Deborah O'Neill says that Brother Daryl Broking is teaching a class on how to evangelize. If anyone's interested, contact him. He's using fishers of men. Um, that yeah, I've I have checked with Audible, and um, there there's a there's a barrier to entry that I'm having trouble with. I'm going to have to ha- get a little bit more education on exactly the way Audible wants their files like um, between uh, 23 and 19 dBS, negative 19 and 23 dBS, with a negative three uh, uh, ceiling and. They want a noise floor with a little bit of noise in it, which it's it's hard. I don't I don't understand. I've got a there there's a there's a learning curve there that I haven't caught up to. But yes, I appreciate that, Deborah. Um, Connie says it gets disheartening. I printed up door hangers with the congregation's info to leave to go and to go door knocking. It's a great idea. Great idea. It was said, but no one went. I'm telling you. And. uh Connie, uh, my Christian, uh, Christine says, my Christian family started from my grandmother listening to a radio broadcast. Do you know what, listen, this is just an aside. Do you know what Christians said whenever preachers wanted to start putting content on the radio? They said, you don't need to do that, that old radio. That's not the way to do it. That's wicked. You shouldn't do that. And I'm sure it happened with the TV. It happened when we started doing it on Facebook. My, I love my brethren, but they get romantically involved with their methods. And uh, I think God just wants the information out there, doesn't he? Anyway, y'all, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of material. I've been out of material for a minute. I just wanted to talk a little bit about loyalty and maybe, maybe make, us, make us think about loyalty and faithfulness and understand that that is the main attribute of Christianity, faithfulness. We have to be principled. I love that um I love that marketing campaign. I think was it back was it in the nineties or the eighties? I can't remember now. But with WWJD, what would Jesus do? And I don't mind that I don't mind that question. A lot I've heard people say it shouldn't be WWJD. It should be WDJD. What did Jesus do? Well, look. You can go to the Bible and you can read what did Jesus do, and from that, you can figure out what would Jesus do. Now listen, Jesus has never been a 15-year-old high school student in Western culture in the United States faced with this hypersexual environment. So we, we can't go to the Bible and read what did Jesus do as a 15-year-old in high school in Western culture in the 21st century. But what we can do is we can go to the Scripture and we can extrapolate from what we know that he did do and the principles that he taught 
and we can ascertain what he would do, and that is valuable. And what he would do is remain faithful to the ideal of Christianity. That is a godly virtue. That is the godly attribute, faithfulness. Faithfulness encapsulates love. Maybe love encapsulates faithfulness, faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest is love. Why is the greatest love? Faith, you'll no longer need. Hope, you'll no longer need. But love will endure forever. You know, we won't have to remain faithful in heaven. Because nothing that corrupts will be there. We have to remain faithful here on this earth. And one of the easiest ways to be loyal and faithful is to love. How, how can you remain loyal and faithful to a spouse for 50 years? You got to love them. How do you remain faithful to the church for 50 years? You got to love the church. You got to love Jesus. You got to love God. All right. Good stuff. All right, let me see. All right. I have a friend who writes, not sure what she uses. I can let her know you're looking for something, mostly historical fiction, all family-friendly. Deborah, that would be amazing. Yes, I would love to hook up with her. Let me tell you something I would love to do. Um... If you know anybody that writes short stories, um, I would narrate them and upload them on my YouTube channel. I, I couldn't give them anything, but I would I would love to just do that. I, I'm right now. I'm going through all of Grimm's fairy tales. In fact, since I'm doing this, I might as well do a shameless plug. Let's see. Let's go to YouTube. I'm going to do this live. All right, story time classics. Let's go to my channel. Now, we took a week off for the holidays, but I'm going to copy this link, and I'm going to put this into the chats. And if y'all want to, uh, if y'all want to kind of see what we do here, uh, this is uh, a story to, uh, this is a link to the story of Cinderella. It's also called Ashputel. Which it's German or Dutch, I can't remember, but the Grimm's fairy tales were originally written in German and they translated into English. And um and anyway, so Courtney Glassoff though, uh let me do this. Let me let me www.blue star with two R's creations.art. Now if you'll go to blue star creations.art, Courtney does all my artwork. And, uh, she gets, I, I don't pay her anything. Uh, we was kind of thinking that this would take off and make a lot of money or well, <laughs> not a lot of money, but you know, a little bit of money. We like to get paid just a little, but Courtney does such a good job with these thumbnails and the artwork. If I were as good a, a voiceover artist as she was an artist, we would be making money by now. But anyway, uh, just check it out. and. Uh, yeah, uh, if, let your grandkids listen to it. You listen to it. 
Um, if you're not doing anything and you can just let it play in the background, that helps. Um, anyway, that's all I've got about that. Um, good stuff. All right. Deborah says she listens to Storytime Classics. That's right. I remember. Uh, Christine, I appreciate that. Uh, Christine says, I love you. I love y'all very much. Um, I still have contact with that preacher that baptized my grandmother on Facebook. Wonderful brother in Christ. He's 90 years old. Absolutely. And Sue Ross says, thank you for sharing your cogitations. Well, I appreciate it. And I don't know who gets more out of it, y'all or me. I'm thinking it's kind of a one-way street between us chickens. All right. Well, I've been going about the whole hour. I've turned you on to uh, Storytime Classics, uh, where you can listen to me narrate little uh, Grimm's fairy tales and Rudyard Kipling's Just So Stories and some Hans Christian Andersen. And I'm always looking for public domain stories that would be that would work for the channel. And uh, Deborah O'Neill, man, that'd be awesome if you could turn if you could hook me up with your family member there. Um, so. To end, let's focus on being faithful. Love God, be faithful to Him, and let's be faithful to our friends, faithful to our local congregation, and let's not ask what they can do for us, but let's ask ourselves what we can do for them, and it's much more easy to remain faithful. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all that you do for me. And thank you for all that you do for the digitalbiblestudy.org Facebook page and, uh, and, and, and website. And uh, good night, everybody. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. We hope you subscribe to the Cogitations podcast, and we'll catch you on the flip side.